I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at the Wharton School, and this is Launchpad, where I talk to successful entrepreneurs about the secrets to launching and growing their startups. I'm joined now by Alex Fermansky, who's the founder and CEO of Budsies. Alex, welcome to Launchpad. Hello, Carl. Thanks so much for having me. Just in the interest of full disclosure, Alex is a graduate of the Wharton School and the School of Engineering from 2007, and in fact, he was one of my students, one of my best students in the product design class. So it's always fun to see students go off and and do what we talked about in class for real. Alex, where are you calling us from? I'm calling you from uh, sunny South Florida, which uh, is probably the one time of the year where it's horrible here, but uh, it's actually a beautiful day here. Great. Well, you know, we're going to circle back a little later, and I want to try to remember to ask you about why you chose South Florida. But let's not let's not get to that quite yet. We got we got some mm-hmm. other things to do first. So, first thing I want to do is point our listeners to your website. So, your you have several companies, several several brands that do similar thing. But I'm just going to point them to the main website, which is budsies.com. All right, Alex, give us the elevator pitch for Budsies. Sure, sure, sure. And this is a very visual product. So as, as Carl said, if, if you're not driving, definitely look it up online or, or on Instagram. But the concept is quite simple. Uh, we take people's drawings and we turn them into one-off custom handmade stuffed animals. So we literally bring to life people's characters. And this started off as being mostly for children. So parents would send us their kids' doodles from robots to, to unicorns to self-portraits to portraits of mom and dad, which become quite funny at times. Uh, and nowadays it's expanded so that about half of our budsies are actually made by designers, illustrators, uh, manga, anime, even furries. You know, like the, the folks who dress up in furry costumes and have personas. They're awesome, great customers. And so basically anything you can draw, anything you can send us as a photo, we can turn into a real three-dimensional stuffed animal. All right. Well, take us one level deeper and tell us how it works. Walk us through the use experience. So let's take, for instance, let's take a, because it's where you started, let's take a kid uh, who, who has, who's, who's excited about this idea. How do they, how do they go? How's the process work? Sure. So uh, goes on our website, uh, preferably the the parent, not the child, and uh, on and they can do this on their phone, tablet, PC doesn't matter. Uh, from there, they simply upload the the photo. They can also, if it's easier for them, they can text message us the photo to a special uh, short code we give them, or they can email us the photo with a, a special uh, ID number in the subject line. And uh, so that's really simple. And then they just give us a brief description of their creation and go through checkout. That is it on the consumer side. Uh, and then what we do, on Alex, the let back me end, let me sure. let me just interrupt you. And and we you said it in the elevator pitch, but I want to reiterate. So yeah. you say upload a photo. Tell tell us how the child actually creates the design, and they're they're drawing it on a piece of paper. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. So uh, the, the child is drawing it on a piece of paper. We have adults drawing uh, things in AutoCAD. We have, uh, we've had people send us a photo of a half-eaten breakfast sandwich. So it can, it, it can be any design on, on, on any medium. If you can take a photo of it or create a digital image of it, uh, then we accept it. So okay. we're super and, flexible. 
All right. And then, okay, so that's back where I interrupted you. So at some point you've got an image file, basically. You have a JPEG or a PNG or something, some kind of image file. Does that then go into a magic replicator? How does it work? Uh, uh, so there's no magic replicator to go directly from a drawing in, 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 into Plush. Uh, that sadly does not exist. Uh, so we actually have a team of designers here in Florida who interpret the, this design, and, and then it goes through our software backend to one of our three facilities in China where the actual uh, sewing, stitching, the cutting, the stuffing takes place. Uh, quality, quality control happens as well. Then it's all shipped back here repackaged into a beautiful gift box sent out and all this can be done in two weeks which when we first started was more like 12 weeks and so now that we can do it in, in two weeks it's 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 a really big game changer because people don't plan 12 weeks ahead for a birthday gift wow so maybe walk us through you've got by the way i i spent a little time on your website today and you've got a really nice video that shows how it actually works but but i'm curious let's say you get an image of a half-eaten breakfast sandwich how, how much how much creative interpretation is required to turn that into a, a plush toy you know we're we're actually quite accurate so if you think about a, a breakfast sandwich there's really maybe four or five pieces you have the the bun, the patty, the uh, the lettuce, tomato, and then some sauces, right? So you're really only looking at six different colors of, of fabric. And so on our end, we have a standardized palette of over 30 different colors that we adhere to on on the plush side. Now, we I, I haven't mentioned this yet, but besides Budsies, we also have Selfies and Petsies, uh, and Petsies, for example, is, is where you send us a photo of your dog, your cat, your horse, your rat, any animal that, uh, that you want. And we create a replica of your pet in plush form. Those are, those are much more difficult. Those are true works of art. At, at that point, not only uh, 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 have we gotten a, a wide selection of faux furs, but we actually have a team of artists who use airbrushes. And, and, and go into fine detailing with an airbrush, uh, similar to what like um, body painters use to go one by one over your Petsy and make sure that we match all the markings of your, of your cat or your dog. So uh, depending on, on, the, on the product line, uh, things get either pretty simple, like on the Budsy side, to very, very complex production-wise on, uh, on the Petsy side. Um, Alex, what do, I, what do I pay roughly for this service? So the Budsies are 89, and that's mm -hmm. a flat fee regardless of the design. So it can be a breakfast sandwich. It can be a, uh, an amazing dragon. Uh, we eat the variable cost on our end. It's important to keep things very simple for the consumer, and I, I'm happy to speak to that side as well. Uh, for the Petsies, you're looking at 149. Mm -hmm. uh, as I mentioned, the, the furs are a lot more expensive, and there's a lot more time taken uh, into the airbrushing. And then we actually have a line called selfies where you can send us a photo of your boss, your husband, your wife, uh, uh, your child in their Halloween costume, but it's effectively a, a doll. Uh, think of it like a giant bobblehead doll that's plush and huggable and can actually speak uh, because you can order a voice recorder. And those are just uh, $79. Mm -hmm. And and something I forgot to ask, roughly, what is the geometry? How big are these are these items? So all of our items are at least 16 inches in at least 
one dimension. Mm-hmm. So that's that's our, our standard size. Uh, and then everything except the Petsies are actually upgradable to 30-inch supersize, which are ginormous. Uh, if you go to buddies.com slash reviews, we repost photos that our customers send us. And there's a few photos of kids holding their supersized plushies. And the plushie is literally bigger than the child. So uh, we like to have fun with the supersized ones. Yeah. So... So, Alex, I remember you as a student, I guess it was nine years ago or so, as, yeah, you're a little out there, kind of crazy guy, and that was always, <laughs> that was always fun. But, but what, what possessed you? Where did this idea come from? Give me the backstory. Yeah. So this idea came from my little sister. So she's now 15, uh, and she was always a little artist from kindergarten to preschool to all that. And she, like, our, our house was just... It's, I, <laughs> I hate to use the word, but littered with her art. And at the same time, she loves her stuffed animals, and she was playing with Mickey and, and Goofy and all these various stuffed toys. And I had the, the, this question of, like, why, why is she playing with Mickey when she could be playing with her own character? And so that was the idea. But I, I will say the, there were two points where I, I, I realized that this was something valuable and something big. The first was, I can show you one photograph, and this photograph is of a child holding their drawing in one hand and their Budsies plush in the other hand. And if I just show you that one photograph, within half a second, you will know exactly what we do, and you will feel exactly what that child feels, mm-hmm. that, the euphoria of having their drawing brought to life. And in, in today's age, where Instagram, Snapchat, even Facebook are all basically image centric. Uh, that is how ideas spread these days is through, is through imagery. And so I, I saw immediately how it's not viral, but how easily this could be viral, uh, how easily shareable this becomes. It, it's, it's an idea that's easy to spread. And so that, that image that I had in my mind of, of the child with, with those two objects made me want to pursue this further. Hmm. Um, the... Now, I- Yes, sorry, go ahead. Well, you know, that's that's the the critical moment I want to diagnose here a little bit, which is you had this epiphany and you had this vision of what it could be. Uh how, what did you do to to validate it and how did you get started? Wow, you you And maybe take exactly, us back. Exactly take us going. All right, good, good, good. All right. I love it. Love it. So uh, my, this is my second company. I, I just exited my first one and I, I learned mistakes in the first one that hopefully I find in the second one in that in the first one, when I wanted to read the market to, to validate the idea, I, I did the surveys. I, I, I spoke to people who I thought were in the target market. And of course, everyone tells you, Oh, it's a great idea, right? Like your, your friends will, will always tell you it's great. Your family will always tell you it's great. And the naysayers you ignore anyway. So uh, that does not work. So the only thing that works is is getting people to a point where they have to put down their credit cards. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, I found that that is the only way to test if people really want something. Like everybody says they want it until they have to pull out a credit card. Yeah. And so uh, what I did this was this was uh, back in I think March of 2013 or so. Um, I put up what's effectively just a three-page site 
uh, it was a, a quick, a quick and dirty landing page explanation of, of what this was, how to order. Uh, I, I AB tested uh, three different prices, and I just ran Facebook ads. And basically, I, 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 I took to the point where the the user could see the price, could start the checkout process, but then they were told that you know we're back ordered and uh, we'll get back to them soon. So. I never took anyone's credit card, uh, mm-hmm. but I uh, ran this experiment for, I think, about a week. And I, I sat back and, and measured at what prices did people convert, how much did, did the ads cost me on Facebook. Uh, and that gave me the, uh, uh, the ROI and, and the calculation for uh, what my cost point had to be to uh, to make this a scalable venture. And so I know that that's like a very unsexy approach. And I know most people per- much prefer hearing the, the, the sexy fun story of, 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 of kids and their creations. And, and like, and that's what we've created and, and that's what's empowered. But for this audience, I think it's important for people to have that, the reality that uh, as much emotion and passion as you have, you, you still have to be data-driven and, and make those the, the data-driven decisions even at the beginning. All right. But Alex, I just got to underscore, what's sexier than than running AdWords experiments and doing cost per conversion? <laughs> I mean, seriously. That, that, uh, that, you're hanging out with the wrong people. That's that's so awesome. So, so, um, so I do want to underscore what you just said, which is you were able to run essentially um, – advertising experiments you used facebook but you could also use google you could use any of the advertising platforms and you can actually i mean i I think what you said was was awesome which is you can get them to click on buy and then and then and then not have to fulfill i mean you want to be you want to be honest about it you want to disclose information so you don't you don't annoy a bunch of customers but you can get extremely realistic estimate of that magic moment of whether they're going to put down their credit card. So I love that. I think it's an amazing uh, result. And you were actually able to put some metrics against that and say, okay, we got to pay this much to acquire that customer. And therefore that becomes the, we are, we are, we are margin has to be a lot higher than that to make this work. That's exactly right. What did you do on the, yeah, go ahead. I I would not recommend doing this for more than a couple of days or a week. Cause as you said, you don't want to, uh, to, to alienate, uh, a, a bunch of customers, and the other thing that that you can do is to um, uh, basically offer them a discount. Say, hey, we're currently out of stock or whatnot, but uh, we'll get back to you in a few weeks and give them like the half off discount because those folks uh, helped you come to your realization that this, that this is a viable business. So you should do your part to to uh, reward them for it. Alex, let's let's turn to the supply side. So you'd proven to yourself that there was some demand and that you could acquire customers. What did you do to validate that you could actually deliver this product? Because it seems a little magical. Uh, yes. So the supply side uh, was a disaster. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I know you've, you've done your own manufacturing in, in China, so I, I'm sure that uh, you've gone through this. Uh, it was even... So whatever difficulty you or your listeners uh, have had it with, with Chinese manufacturing, take that and double it because imagine walking into a, a factory who for decades has 
specialized in mass production and saying, hey, guys, uh, I'm going to need you to make one of each. And they say, oh, really? Like one of each so that we can use them as samples to make your next 10,000, right? No, 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 no. Just one of each. And then you get laughed at. Uh, so, so that was a very, very tough process. I, I think we had something around like a 1% success rate. Uh, and it, it, it took a lot of, of, of marketing uh, uh, from our end and investment of, of time and money to, to cajole factories to, to even try working with us. And I'll also point out that the, this is a horror story, but uh, I guess uh, everyone should know, the, the very first year, uh, so this was fall, uh, uh, we had one factory. I was really excited about it. The, the pricing structure was great. The cost was great. We're, we're, st- we're getting into our first holiday season. It's mid-November. Finally got the first couple hundred orders. They're producing them. And the factory just walks out on us. Because as wow. you know, contracts are, are totally not enforceable. And so here I am uh, thinking I'm, I'm on the verge of greatness, right? And the, 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 the rug is just totally swept away from under my feet. And it was it was a really really difficult moment for me uh, personally. I uh, for for those of of, uh, of your listeners who are thinking of, of taking that leap from from a, a corporate job into entrepreneurship, I'd say the biggest biggest difference that you'll feel is the amplitude of the ups and downs. Mm-hmm. So uh, just the, the the emotional roller coaster of the highest of highs to the most lowest of deepest lows really really gets to you. And so that, that was definitely one of those moments. And, uh, which is why these days, as I mentioned, we have three, three factories, uh, in, in different regions. We've, we've, uh, we've, uh, we've done everything we can to, to ensure that we will never have that kind of issue again. And, and even here in the States, we, we duplicate everything, uh, often do things in triplicate. So we'll never have that kind of issue again. Wow. What did you do? Did you just end up letting down some customers, or were you able to scramble and backfill? So I, I, I often tell people, I, I mentor that um, when things go really badly, that is actually a great time for you as a founder, because that is how you turn a sad situation into the most loyal fans and evangelists ever. Because and how, how'd you do that? Well, it, it, uh, I personally, I personally either emailed or called everyone. Who, I think there was maybe 150, uh, 175 people who wow. had their, their order. And so you, you speak to each one of them, you explain your story, you, uh, and, and you, you, I, I, you take care of them the best you can. So if they demand a refund, you give them the refund. That's it, right? Like you, yeah. you show the character of yourself, of your brand. Uh, and at the same time, on, on, on the other side, you scramble and, and you do. So I, I, I managed to convince that factory just to stay on for just a few more months. And, uh, and so we ended up getting through all, all those orders. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if, uh, when things really go south is when you can really show your character and, and, and really create like a, a loyal group of people who, who will support you through, through the, next, the next worst of times, which will definitely happen. 
You know, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to combine two questions here, and maybe you could just take it where you'd like. But, I, you know, I suppose an, an alternative approach here would have been to say, we really need to control production. That's our secret sauce, and, and we need to control it. So we either need to set up our own factory or we're going to do it ourselves in the U.S. or we're going to set it up uh, abroad. But we need to control it. And it's closely tied to a financing question, I suppose, which is how big a swing to take at that. And t- tell, tell me how you thought about that. Did you ever consider that? And, and how did you think about the trade-off between committing a lot of capital and controlling it versus a leaner capital model where you had to rely on others? So to me, it was never a capital question. It was more of a, of a resources uh, in, in terms sorry, it wasn't a capital money-wise issue. It was, mm-hmm. it, it, it was more of a uh, just mindshare issue. Uh, we thought about, well, we'd love to manufacture here in the U.S., but then we have to charge like $500 for the, uh, the plushies, which I, I think would alienate most of our, our, our consumers. And overseas, uh, what, what, what we ended up doing was after that, uh, that, that initial hurdle, I think I invested something around eighty to a hundred thousand dollars just in building the software, which set up so many different controls and checkpoints and data and analytics around every single little phase of production that we effectively standardized custom. So mm-hmm. even though each each item is fully handmade, fully custom made, fully custom designed, as far as the the designers or the pattern makers and the and the, the seamstresses and, 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 and cutters the factory are concerned, they're just following the same process day after day after day. So rather than invest in building out a new factory and, and going through all those various hurdles of owning something in China, uh, I opted for investing in the technology, which mm-hmm. then allows us to scale to two, three, four, five, six different factories and, and gives us scale that way. Yeah. Let me follow up. I, we just have a couple minutes left, but I wanted to follow up. You've done things here that I would say are fairly non-traditional, and so they're tied together. One is this decision to be in Florida, which I think is pretty interesting, and the other is is essential. I don't. I, 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 well, let me just ask you about the financing question because. I'm guessing that tied to a decision to be in Florida is a decision that says we're outside the mainstream of venture capital and traditional financing mechanisms for for technology-enabled businesses. Can you talk a little bit about that, maybe a little bit about the location decision and about the decision to go your own way in terms of financing? So the location decision uh, was driven by the fact that the cost of, of doing business in Florida is just so much cheaper. And because we are not... Uh, not a pure play tech company because we have to have uh, employees who pack and ship. We have to hold some inventory. I knew that we'd have more costs. And so uh, here, everything is just so much cheaper. Uh, and because there are so few uh, high growth tech companies here that have a good story, we have also kind of um, uh, become a, a bit of a, a poster child in, in the area. So the local city governments are, 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 are standing by us and actually giving us grants and whatnot to uh, help us succeed. So, so that's been good. Uh, but I, I don't think of us as being alienated. Uh, the, the flight from Palm Beach to LaGuardia is, is just two and a half hours, and it's, it's very much direct. 
so I, I fly to, to New York at least once a month, once every month and a half. And I'm in San Francisco at least uh, once a quarter. So while the operations are here, uh, I definitely spend a lot of time in, in New York City and San Francisco. And what I'll say is, if you live in New York City or San Francisco and you're looking to set up a meeting with a VC, you, uh, you often get the answer of, oh, yeah, sure, we'll put it on the calendar you know, next week or next month or whatever. But if you're flying in for those three days or six days and you say, hey, I'm in town the next week, let's meet up, you're much more likely to actually get that meeting. So I actually think it's worked, it's worked in our favor. All right. Well, uh, last question, and maybe you could just give us a very quick, quick answer because we're out of time. But how's it going? Uh, give us a sense of how the business is doing. Uh, we've grown 3x every year, which I, I know doesn't say much because uh, everyone throws out big growth numbers. But we're we're doing really really well. We have an 8,000 person back order wait list now for Pepsi's alone. What? And I'm yeah, it's it's amazing. I, I couldn't be happier. Wow, that's so awesome. Well, if you if you triple uh, each year for the next twenty years, then then uh, yeah, that that would be really awesome. But it's I it's, think uh, I think even two more years would be. Done. Great. <laughs> All right. Well, we're out of time. Thanks so much for joining. Super interesting. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. For more information about Alex, you can follow him on Twitter at the firm. That's F U R M, the firm, at the firm. And you can also visit Budsies online, budsies.com. It's B U D S I E S.com. I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Wharton. Launchpad is produced by Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, on Sirius XM Channel 111. The show airs live on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. You can find more episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes.